Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And here we are, Richard and Linda, in different locations, but happy to be together on the phone. Because we have been on the road a lot. Um, we took three horses down to St. George, which is five hours in a truck. And then Hey, we... wait, this is a show on parenting. We can't talk about... Well, sometimes horses are as hard to care for as kids, I guess. Yeah, that. oh, that's for sure. Harder. They just keep needing new shoes, just like kids. Yeah. <laughs> and they eat a lot, just like kids. And they eat a lot. Um, anyway, uh, then we got on a plane and went to Texas um, for our second uh, reception for our wedding. Our new son-in-law is was born and raised in Dallas, and so we spent some time in Texas this week. Now, you now you listeners who are with us often on the show know that. Uh, most of our travel is not quite as elective or pleasurable as that, although we enjoy it. We're usually on the road because we're going hither and yon, speaking to groups of parents as a result of some of the books that we've written, and they invite us and we go, and we're gone a lot of the time. But it's been very interesting in the month of October when all of our travel has been related to one thing, and that was the wedding of our youngest daughter and so it's a lot more fun in some ways because we're going pretty much everywhere we go to celebrate and you may say well wait how long does a wedding take well with this daughter it takes all month because a long three, rece- time. <laughs> three receptions how many how many showers linda five or oh, six, three I mean, yeah and some in california yeah it's just so. gone on and on but we love it and it is our youngest daughter and it may sort of serve as a segue into what we want to talk about today, which is well, really aiming primarily at grandparents and at those who are empty nest parents. Now, if you're a young parent, don't stop listening because some of what we're going to say today has to do with the relationship that should and ideally will develop between parents and grandparents vis-a-vis the children that they are helping to raise. Well, but we do have to say just a little bit more about the wedding because uh, we decided to post some pictures. So many people have asked about it, but we posted some pictures on byuradio.org. There's a great website there. They've done a wonderful job with that. And there are some wedding pictures, and we are talking about life in full, and I think it's been about as full as it can get the last couple of weeks. <laughs> well, you're mentioning websites, though, honey. That's a good, a good point. Um, we um, there are really two. If, if you are a, a regular listener to Ayers on the Road, there's probably at least two and maybe three websites we'd kind of like you to be familiar with. The first one is byuradio.org. And you can always find out what we're going to do the week ahead. You can find out uh, what we've done a week past and maybe get some photos of it. The second website is thedeseretnews.com, where we write a weekly column. And quite often, what we'll do on this radio show will tie in or be related or tangential to what we've written that week in our column. And then, of course, the third one is valuesparenting.com, which we hope all of you listeners will get familiar with because it's kind of our home base website where we try 
week after week, month after month, year after year, to give ideas that are helpful to parents and grandparents in teaching values to children. And so those that's my little three little trochia of websites that I hope you'll kind of keep track of. But back to life in full. Um, you know, as we are getting older, we're realizing that life is getting much more interesting. Um, we have, there were several people at this reception in Texas, mothers who have just emptied their nests and they're so worried because their lives have been completely involved with taking care of their children and now their children are all gone and we are assuring them that it just gets a lot more fun and a lot more expensive, <laughs> I have to say. Um, it is but, true, by the way. It is true that this this thing called the emptiness syndrome is very real. It's it's amazing, isn't it, Linda? How often we run into people who are just well, either they either they're approaching the day when their last child will leave to go to college or whatever, or on a mission or whatever, and they're and they're fearful of it. They're just fretting. What will I do? when I don't have the first priority that I've had for 20 or 30 years, or other other moms, particularly moms, I must say, it affects moms generally more than dads, although not always. Uh, moms who, who their last child has left and they're wringing their hands, what do I do with my time? What do I do with my energy? What do I do with my love and my passion for these kids? And so we're we're kind of one little mini campaign that we're kind of on as we go around speaking is to say, you know, (laughs) it's a beautiful time of life because you can still have a tremendous, powerful, positive influence over your your children and your grandchildren who will be coming along. And yet you do it with a little less pressure on yourself. It's almost as though you've been a manager for many, many years with all the responsibility and all of the stress. And now you've got an opportunity, if you think about it in the right way, to say, I'm still very involved. I still have stewardship. I still have ownership in my kids' lives. But I'm not a manager. I'm more of a consultant now. And a consultant's a pretty fun thing to be. It is really fun. And I have to say, we've probably mentioned this before, but... It was kind of a hard transition for you, my dear Richard, to be just a consultant and not a manager, <laughs> because it's very hard for you not to express your opinions. And no, consultants, uh, you, consultants express their opinion, honey. It's just that they don't have any real authority. <laughs> right. I'm glad you realized that. But it really uh, is so interesting, because when we first started emptying our nest, um, the children were getting unsolicited advice, and we did have a big family meeting, and we decided to make a pact with each other. Um, first of all, we decided that... Well, let me let me set this up just for a minute. One of the reason we okay. decided to get together for this meeting is because, you know, different Reason. ones of our kids were, were expressing different views, largely related to the person they had married. And some of the in-law kids who'd come in and some of our kids who they were married to were, were sort of of the mind, look, you know, um, you, you, dad, I need to start giving less advice because we're adults and we can handle ourselves now. Why don't we, I mean, their position sort of was, look, we, we, we look up to you and respect you, but 
why don't you only give advice when we ask for it? And then there were other kids who said, well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, what if, what if dad has something to say and, and he sees something, he notices something, he's had a certain amount of experience. I want him to tell us if he has something to say, he should, we shouldn't bottle him up. And so there was this, this sort of debate going on within the family. Of course, you know which side I was on. I thought, hey, Well, I was just going to say, I think maybe I that, that second part was your idea, maybe not theirs. It wasn't my so idea, but, there were, but I was supportive of it, you know. <laughs> of course. And so go of ahead. Course. You were going to tell about the pact. We actually hammered out a compromise, which we called a pact. Yes, and it and it was a really nice little compromise, I think, and it's worked really well. And the deal is that um, if Richard has some advice to give, um, they will listen politely. He's free and, to give it. And be sure, yes, and not be offended by it. And on the other hand, we will not be offended if they do not take our advice. So well, thank when, you for saying we, because you're, you're including yourself in this, Linda, and that makes me feel much more secure because... <laughs> well, I like to give advice once in a while, too. I just give it in a little different way. And that's but, right. But I want to reiterate what you said, because this, this, was, this was not just some, okay, let's try this. This was actually a sort of a formal agreement. And, and we sort of, I can't remember if we raised our hands and voted yay or nay or whatever, but I do remember that it was very clear that we all needed to be on board. And the, again, the, the simple pact was dad and mom, but particularly was focused on me because of some of the worries that some of them have and because I was a little too free with advice. So the pact was dad is free to give whatever advice he, he feels is important. And, and we will listen, but dad makes the pact, the promise that he will not be offended if we don't follow the advice. Just like we, the kids, have the pact that we will not be offended by his advice. And you know, since then, there's been such a, it's really kind of marvelous in a way because things are lighter, things are freer, and and there's a lot of humor too. I mean, nothing the kids like better than to say, thank you, Dad, that's really, really thoughtful advice. I appreciate it a lot. I'm going to get some other opinions and inputs, and then we'll see where it goes. And, and again, remember not to be offended if I go a different direction. And what they really love is when they do go a different direction, and it turns out to be the right choice. Now, we're not talking about serious moral issues of right and wrong or life and death. We're talking about should I buy a house yet or should I rent? Should I, you know, buy a new car or a used car? And I, I do have opinions on these things. And well, yes, you do. They take them and sometimes they don't. And I'm just totally happy with that. Well, I have to say that we told our oldest daughter when she wanted to buy a, a rickety old house in San Jose, California for uh, $350,000. We just said, no, 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 no. You don't want to do that. So they went ahead and bought the house. It's and a 45-year-old house. It's falling right. down. It's a bungalow. It doesn't even have two bathrooms. How can you possibly buy that house? But they're saying, but we have wood floors, and we can fix it up. <laughs> so they did that, and in five years, they sold it for double what they bought it for. So, you know, prize, I mean, you know, thought well taken. Oh, Please that's when don't you love to be my wrong. advice. 
You, you, um, you parents of grown kids will know, you'll identify that there's nothing you'd rather be proved wrong on than, than, you know, someone makes a great investment that you couldn't see it coming. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. <laughs> well, and just before we go to break, I have to say that it goes right up to this day because this, well, this month, because our daughter, Charity, who was married, had a special dinner, which was so important to her. And she wrote a special, she and her um, husband now, Ian, wrote a special note to every person that came about, the difference they'd made in their lives, and it was so important. She said, one day she sent me this picture of gold flatware. She said, do you think I should rent this gold flatware instead of just plain old silverware? And I just said, oh, absolutely not. That is so silly. A I dollar mean, a place setting just how, to rent it? <laughs> oh, no, 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 a dollar for peace. For oh, a dollar peace. for each fork. <laughs> right. And so, anyway, so she went ahead and rented it. And there was nothing she was happier about at that dinner than having those that gold flatware. And, you know, it came out of her budget. It was her decision. She, ha- You know, that's what she decided, and it was just fine. We got a lot more advice to give, speaking of advice, to you listeners on how to live life in full as your house empties. We'll be back right after this break. Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back. And um, even though we're at different locations, this is good, Richard. Whatever you did on the phones, it's working really well. Well, you know me, old, the old technology whiz kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> when anything way, works, a... <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. That's, that's, that's another thing we need to teach to all of you empty nest parents and grandparents is uh, you need to get to know your grandkids really well so they can help you with your computer. <laughs> right. <laughs> or your right, smartphone or anything else. And you, you need to do two things. Let them help you learn to use your smartphone, but don't let them use your smartphone to play games on every time you see them or you will never get to talk to them. Honestly, that is so true. Or they will totally de-wheat everything on your phone. <laughs> we have little twins who used to come running up to me, six-year-old twins, and say every time he saw me, Grammy, Grammy, can I use your phone? Can I use your phone? And the the first time they did it, they were gone for a long time, and then they came back. And um, one of them said, Grammy, I'm sorry, I think I de-weeted some stuff. And, and we uh, did some of your did. some of your apps. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know you got to be careful about that, but it is nice to have them around to teach you how to make it work. Now let me let me cut to the chase here, Linda. I think I think the main piece of advice that we have, or the main idea would, that we want to pass on to you as fellow grandparents or fellow empty nesters, and this is where. If you're listening as a younger parent, I want you to stay tuned because it involves you. Our main advice is be a proactive grandparent. Don't don't be one of these grandparents that we see all too often who are like, I'm done. I'm done. I raised my family. I'm moving to Sun City. I'm going to be on the golf course. Don't call me unless you need me. Because what you're doing is giving up the most incredible wonderful opportunity of this phase of life. Now, 
Having said that, don't just create some plan of how you're going to influence your grandkids without doing it in concert with your own children who are the parents of those grandkids. The very best situations we find, and again, we're not just passing on our, our own instincts or ideas or what we've done. We Keep in mind, we visit with so many parents around the world, and the ones who seem to have a great three-generational family, and in many parts of the world, they actually all live in the same house, so that's that makes it a little different, a little easier in some ways. But but I'm thinking mainly of American families now where where all three generations are really in sync. The, the, the parents love the kids and they love their parents. And there's a unity and a kind of a harmony and a kind of a synergy between the three generations. And oftentimes, well, actually, it can take the initiative from either side. We know some settings where parents, young parents, have gone to their parents and said, you know, we would here, – here is – the three things we're worried about right now with Patty and Jason or whatever. Do you have some ideas that could help us? Well, there's nothing more flattering to grandparents than to have children who are now parents who ask them for their advice. But it can also take the initiative from the other side. But you have to be careful. What you don't want to do as a grandparent is something like this. Uh, son and daughter-in-law, I've been noticing and watching your parenting, and uh, I think you're lacking in several areas, and here's my advice for you. Nothing worse than that, because you're usurping a stewardship you really don't have. But what you can do as a grandparent is to say, hey, let's let's get a babysitter for your kids and we want to take you to dinner some night and, and let's go as you, the, the mom and the dad, or, or if it's a single mom, you we want to go to dinner with you. We want to just take you to dinner. And then over a nice dinner, essentially say, you know, we admire all you're doing for your children. We love what kind of a parent you are. You're probably a better parent by far than we were at your age. We want you to know that we want to be your backup. If there's things we can help you with, let us know. In fact, we have some thoughts right now that, that we'd like to do for the kids. Like, you know, uh, you know, I remember um, what you've done, Linda, over the years, having this little Grammy camp where you get the grandkids together. But you cleared that with their parents first. You said, here's what I'd like to do. Here's how I think it would work. They gave you some inputs, and it worked great. I had an idea where I wanted to have some grandfather's secrets, some little things that I thought would help them in their interaction with other kids and help them with some of their values. So I cleared it with the parents first. I talked to the parents about it. They liked it. They had some inputs that they gave me. And we've had a fabulous time doing that. But my point is you're not making an end run. You're not trying to supplement for how inadequate your own kids are at parenting and you're not being critical of your own kids at their parenting you're just trying to take an active role in the raising of those grandchildren now for some of you that's not a, an issue because you're actually raising your grandkids we right. see a lot of that in the world but we're talking about a situation now where you you have intact families or at least you have a parent, one or two parents with children, and they're your kids and you're the grandparent. The first step, I can't emphasize it enough, is an adult meeting between the parents 
or parent and the grandparent or grandparents where you work out together a strategy. And again, grandparents need to be not the aggressor. They need to, they need to acknowledge, look, you're the parent. I don't want to do anything that doesn't ring true to you because these are your children. You know, we uh, so often when we meet with young families, they say the problem is that we get systems set up, or especially with money, I think money is the hardest thing for them. We get these systems set up so that our kids are working for their money, they're earning what they get, and it's hard, and then the grandparents come along and just wreck it all. Along comes grandpa and gives them money. Oh, you dropped your iPhone in the toilet. I'm so sorry. Let me buy you another one. I mean, really. That that is so hard on on kids and families and particularly parents who are trying to teach their kids that they there are consequences, um, and so and 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 there's you know extremes of course there are those who give their grandchildren way too much and then some of you may be saying gee I wish my my parents would yeah, chip we'll in a little, a little bit more, more. Um, but we do but again, have a little more more access to money often when we are getting older and we're grandparents and so on. And and I do think it's so important to let the grandkids know that you do have a way to support them in their activities. We have um, a deal with our grandchildren sometimes when they really are dying to go to swim camp or a tennis camp or something and they really can't afford it, and they're working as hard as they can on lemonade stands or whatever it is, and they write a formal proposal to us and say, "Um, if I earn half of this, can you do half or, you know, a tenth or whatever it is that is appropriate for that particular child in that family. And it is just so nice to know that not you're not just giving them money, but that you're matching money or that you can support them and give them some help, whereas maybe as parents it was harder to do that just because and, we didn't and, have any money when our kids were little. Right, and Linda, that's actually an, another great example of, you know, working out a plan or a strategy or an idea that everyone signs off on. And and in, in our case, that's what happened. We, you know, we talked to the parents about it, and, you know, we said the last thing we want to do, because in our family many of them really are, very serious about setting up little family economies, not always just like the one we did, by the way, but but economies where kids actually earn money rather than be given a handout because they're trying to teach the value of money and they're trying to avoid the entitlement trap. But but in, in these cases, um, you know, the idea was worked out, well, look, we want to help on certain times and certain things, but let's let's teach these little kids how to write grant proposals. That's essentially what they are. You know, yeah. grandfather, grandmother, I'd like a grant to go to this uh, outing or this scout camp or this uh, uh, swim team uh, thing at uh, a university or whatever uh, where, where kids my age have a chance to go and it's going to cost this much. And my proposal is that I'll earn this much and, and will you match it or whatever. And that's it. You, you can't, you, you, I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but there's all kinds of lessons that are learned from that. How to write a good proposal, how to um, be fair in the things that you're asking for, um, the appreciation of money, the ability to earn part of it themselves. I mean, so many good things can come out of that. 
And that's just one idea. That's one of the kinds of ideas that will come out of a meeting between parents and grandparents talking about the welfare of the children and how each can contribute and help. And that's how it really feels like life is full. I mean, you know, there's still... Um, we in our culture in Utah have a lot of children often and a lot of grandchildren and so on. For the average person, two to three children and not many grandchildren. In fact, so many parents, older parents, are begging for grandchildren. And and these young couples have decided not to have children or to wait a long time and then maybe have one or two so everybody's in a different situation, but it is so important to really analyze, um, especially when your kids are leaving home, you're, you're empty nesting. We always say we, sh- we shouldn't say emptying nest because when the first one leaves, that's the beginning, right. and then you learn some lessons from that. And then as the younger ones it, it leave, it, it is different. And when the last one leaves, it's very different. So that sure but it's is. just great to have a plan and decide how that's going to work and it just takes the fear out of it right so have a plan parents and uh we're nearly out of time but i want to say that uh we're just sort of letting you as radio listeners in on this book we're actually hard at work on now and the working title of it is life in full and the subtitle is maximizing your longevity and your legacy And the last part is the most important because our children and our grandchildren really are our legacy. So we'll keep you posted on that as we go along. Next week on Ours on the Road, we're going to talk a little about Halloween, and then we're going to talk the next week a little about Thanksgiving. So we're going to get into the holiday mood here for the next few weeks on Ours on the Road. And if you missed the first of the show, you can always go to byuradio.org and see some wedding pictures. We really had a fabulous time, and I know some of you experienced that, and it's, it's kind of fun to see. We'll see you next time, all of you, on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye.